Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's Monday, April 2nd. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. And of course, we're going to talk a lot about Notre Dame football, Notre Dame spring football at the halfway point. But... Today we must start with the Fighting Irish women's basketball team, national champions, an incredible Final Four, showed tremendous resilience, absolutely refusing to lose against Connecticut and playing tremendous defense down the stretch. And then, of course, Enrique Ogumbawale. <laughs> I'll get that. You'll get better with each time that I say Ogumbawale was just tremendous, hitting the game winner against Connecticut and the game winner against Mississippi State. Everything, Tim, everything you could possibly ask for in, in a Final Four. You want to talk about a team that absolutely refused to lose, flying back from the West Coast from, you know, uh, uh, from Spokane, getting back at 5 in the morning. You they know, were the, just the NCAA wanted them to go straight to Columbus and never go home. Right, Which is right. just, no, they said no, thankfully, which is just ridiculous if you think about that. Maybe go home and take care of some things <laughs> at your university. But, you know, the Final Four game, the quality of that basketball game was outstanding. The, the Connecticut game. The Connecticut game. The, the, the quality of that basketball game was outstanding. The drama was amazing. Just the rivalry adds so much to it. And then last night, the you can't find a more thrilling finish to a college basketball game. I, right when she hit the shot, I thought, is that the greatest? You have to consider stakes every time you say this. Is that the greatest shot in college basketball history? And then, of course, I thought of some other ones that are buzzer beaters. But the degree of difficulty along with it? That's not Chris Jenkins of Villanova pulling up and hitting a three to win the game with the buzzer two years ago right. <laughs> with a perfect pass. This is it was an absolute miracle shot, but you have to give her credit. It didn't look like she just no. At first, it looked like a, it. it looked like yeah. a throw, but, but then when you watch it, I mean, she followed through with yes. it, and and defense I, was perfect because you can't follow, you can't crowd her and draw, and well, you can't follow once she's in the act of shooting. They definitely should have fouled after she took her first dribble because yeah. they had fouls. Yeah, we say that we say that all the time, and it doesn't happen because you're fearful of a, of somebody shooting the taking the shot yeah. and then getting three free throws. So I get that, but I loved after she, you know, her second game winning shot in a couple days at Goombawale. She's pointing at her the veins, ice water, yeah. ice water and veins. It was <laughs> ice water and veins was the first one. That was a mir- not that was an amazing ending. That shot was. She's not repeating that one. I think she hits the step back three a lot. I think she does practice yeah, that she one quite does. a bit. She's a, she's a fantastic player. And until Brianna Turner suffered a knee injury, she was the best player on the team. So now there's competition. Turner will be back next year. And most of this team will be back next year as people were already speculating about what they would have. I, I, you know, out of this starting lineup, only Catherine Westfeld is gone. And then you get, uh, I think you get two of the four ACL uh, ones back. So... You know, they're going to be tremendous, but as long as Muffin McGraw is there, they're going to be tremendous because right. she is just an absolutely fantastic coach. And I wrote this in last week's Thursday Thoughts. When you watch them play, and we don't, you know, we uh, neither you nor I watch it. Denise Skorkin covers it for us. But when you watch them play, you realize that they're better handling the ball. They're better position rebounding. They're better overall defensively. As I said, their defense against Connecticut was absolutely fantastic. They didn't care who they were playing who the opposing coach was, 
how many wins and losses Connecticut had. They absolutely refused to, to lose that game. And that's a Muffet-McGraw team to a T. I want to give a shout-out to Marina Mabry because not only, it, look, it was a wide-open three that she had to hit, but they went down five. A lot of people missed that shot. Yeah. <laughs> she drilled it. And that was a clutch rebound when McGowan missed inside. By the way, you want to talk about a layup that's going to haunt someone for the yeah, rest of their no lives. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's six, seven point blank. George Mike can lay it in when no one's tall enough to guard you. Clutch rebound in traffic by Mabry. Now, boy, a little worrisome there. That Give credit to Mississippi State. Pressuring the ball, they forced a turnover near midcourt. An outstanding effort and foul by Notre Dame to get the ball back. <laughs> Listen, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you got one. That's all you should care about she right got now. Plowed. That is a foul at every level of basketball, at every point in basketball. And you can tell me the 20 fouls that weren't called beforehand or were fouled. That was a foul. That's with the game on the line, and she got plowed, and she should have been free throw line. But they didn't call it. Which is great for Notre Dame fans. Yeah. It's perfect. I mean, th- look, it's good to get one once in a while, right? That's what you're thinking, right, at this point. It's yeah. good to get one. Well, yeah, no doubt. But, I, you know, I mean, just in fairness, you hate to see that at, with oh, the game, yeah, it's a, with it's the a, game it's a on the line. You hate but, to see it more if it goes against you, though. But <laughs> it is what it is. And Notre Dame has their first national title since 2001. It's hard to believe yeah. it's been... I lived in Atlanta at the time. I remember we were watching Ruth Riley at the time. Yeah. Um, Neil Ivey, of and, course, now has a national title as a player and as an assistant coach. This is probably unnecessary, but... My first job out of college in 95 was covering women's basketball. There is not a greater growth in any sport in the last, that is now, 22 years yeah. than women's basketball. It is astounding. Hey, look, when I was a junior in college, I know that I remember being down in Indianapolis and watching just the last minute of a national championship game. North Carolina beat Louisiana Tech, which was the power then, mm-hmm. on a last second shot by mm-hmm. Charlotte Smith. It was a regular everyday inbound pass, but it was cool. This shot dwarfs that, obviously, yeah. in degree of difficulty. But the level of play now compared to that point is astounding. And I, I think I was brought up on our board, so I wanted to point out that yeah, it's no, absolutely I, accurate. It there's is. no no doubt about that. And I also wrote last week about, you know, I mean, it's still not, it, it's still a very one-sided sports. And, and well, sport. the problem is there's about eight programs Haves that can, and that have can get nots. There. Yeah, no, haves yeah. and have nots. Now, when you get to the Final Four, as we've seen, uh, Connecticut be, actually can be vulnerable, and they have been the last two years, last year against Mississippi State and this year against Notre Dame. But uh, congratulations go out to Notre Dame. It's, an, it's a national title on the heels of a fencing national title with an opportunity for a hockey national title this weekend. And we always say, I think Notre Dame fans will always say they really deserve that one. That's overstated. Notre Dame with six play, basically six deep in both games. No end down double digits in both games. And coming back defensively when complete disadvantage physically yesterday no one's deserved it more yeah. than that final critique since this is what we do um mcgowan he's not that good she's not she's six foot seven but she's not that pretty grinder would murder her it's yeah no doubt but, Brianna, but I mean, so still, Brianna stewart so yeah, that's still, <laughs> yes. still still effective she had 21 and 25 rebounds in the previous oh, yeah, game and, just... and I, you know last thing about a stat here jackie young and, and enrique agumbawale combined for eight for 28 from the field including just one for three from three, if you would have saw that stat, you would have said, said there's no, no way they win. Yeah. All but heart and guts. No doubt about <laughs> it. No doubt about it. Okay, we move on to spring football, and, and uh, we're, we're going to dip into some of the things that I think we talked about in, in uh, uh, following the practice earlier last week in, in, in our instant analysis. But um, we go back to the offensive line because I, I, I think that that's going to be fun to track as we move forward. And we've said it many times, there are so many different combinations that are possible there. And we saw a different one last week. Yeah, I have an offensive line story coming up one of these two days. Um, 
I think this is the first time where you see some movement where you, we're not sure what's going to happen. I guess they tricked us a little bit last year where Robert Hainsey made the offseason move in the summer, but you, you kind of looked at it and thought, you know what, Kramer's beating out Eichenberg when we were watching that last right. year. I think there's enough competition when you throw in Ruland because of his, I guess, technical ability, veteran right. savviness. Um, Lug because of his immense ability going forward. He's got four years of this. He may be a reserve for one year, but he's he's going to be one of the ring's best linemen. And Eichenberg making the move. I... Eichenberg making the move up the chart is really the most important thing because it allows what we want is Tommy Kramer to play guard potentially. And That's they might true. even move Robert Hainsey back to the right side where he remains more comfortable. I think I misspoke when we did the instant analysis the other day. Uh, they, they moved Hainsey from... I mean, he played he played right side last year. Yeah. He was playing left earlier in the spring and they put him back at the right side. And, and uh, I was a little surprised at that because... Maybe Eichenberg's more comfortable with the left. That he worked there all last year. As a well, backup. that could that could be, but he's not as good a pass blocker as no. as Hainsey is. So, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it, it. I guess at this stage, it doesn't really matter. But there is a good chance that, you know, whereas there were six offensive linemen that played regularly last year, there is a good chance there could be seven this year with, you know, Rulin, Lug, and Eichenberg yeah. in some type of rotation there. And that's good. That that's good. I think it's good. I, it, I mean, it's second best to having McGlinchey and Nelson and having no competition. Well, that's true. Well, I, no, I think we it's point great. that out. It's it's funny when people say. I mean, we've heard other people say, "Oh, it's great to have a deep receiving core." No, it's great to have Michael Floyd, Golden Tate. Yeah, I mean, I, I want. I want <laughs> yeah, I want. Three I'll just guys. throw in some margin. I want three it, guys with a combined two hundred catches. Right, it, right? but <laughs> it, it's better to have Quentin Nelson than a really cool looking rotation of guard. But if. The option is both of them can play. That I'm glad they're taking advantage of it. That's the best, probably the best way to say it. Yeah, I, and I guess I want to, I, I want to see Eichenberg do it in. I want the oh, same yeah. thing to be yeah. said in August as opposed to March. We're now in April, but it was said in March. Or, you don't think you know, the 40 minutes we saw in practice from 120 yards no. away? Very, but he had a very good week prior. We were there a yeah, lot for right. the coaches' clinic and the open practice. Eichenberg was was showing well, and I think that. Played out and why they got him a starting and I, rotation. You know, I mean, and I think it would it be better if Trevor Ruland was three fifteen as opposed to two ninety five. Yeah, but you love hearing that a guy's a technician because that's what offensive line play is yeah. all about. You you can add weight. It's a lot easier to add weight than it is to add those technical aspects that, that trip a lot of guys up. It's a testament to him too because he was the afterthought in that recruiting class coming in. It was just. Didn't you think that we're never going? We were right, never going right. to hear anything. And that about is definitely Trevor not Rowling. true, and it won't take him as long as it did. A guy like a guy like Mark Harrell was a program player that stuck it out and got rewarded, yeah. but he was never really starter material. He was just good for him. He could help you out right now. It's kind of a nice story. Rulin seems like I mean Rulin's a well, he's the starting center next year for one thing. If he, he plays, is, he yeah, is, that, yeah. So that's that's yeah, that's no doubt. Too. And then Josh Lug is a guy that obviously we've heard a lot of good things about him. Who hasn't, uh, you know, hasn't played yet? Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? He's played predominantly uh, or guard. mainly guard. guard that uh, seen. Yeah, up to this point. But that's a good situation. I, I just want I want to start with that because I think that's a really good situation. I think the more that you can legitimately get involved without without force fitting things is a good thing for that offensive line for the offense in general. And in the story, I do touch on the other guys where they've been working, like Aaron Banks and everyone else, who I think is a, I love Aaron. I Banks. do too. I just think he's another. He's probably a year away from. Uh, he's probably a year away, but I, yeah, I mean, I think Aaron Banks looks really, really good. He was a guy that caught my eye last year yeah. when they opened camp because I was like, "Is this guy?" I, you know, he's a. I mean, he's a big dude. He's going to play tackle, but you know what? He might be athletic enough to play guard, or, or I'm sorry, the other way around. Uh, and so now you see him, and he's lost weight, and he's a really nice option for for them. I agree. 
uh, too many guys playing on the offensive line isn't good, so he's probably a year away. I well, it's not proven yet, but I misranked. I, I had him too low. Now that I've seen him play college basketball, yeah, college I, football, it's it's he's I a better really, college football player than high school. Yeah, I don't guy. really remember where I ranked him, but I but I liked his mobility enough to think that okay, now if this guy gets when he comes to Notre Dame, gets in really good shape and loses fifteen twenty pounds. He's going to be a really good football player. Tight end is basically a two-man show. We will not harp on Alizé Mack's remarkable catches in 7-on-7 seven and 1-on-1 seven one one because it seems to make people angry on the message board since he didn't catch passes last year during September, October, November. <laughs> but uh, he has had an outstanding media version of camp. He's looked really good. Nick Wisher, I think, is going to run the Sunburst Marathon. That's uh, what he's doing is simply training every day. He needs to get back because he's got to be sick of doing what he's doing. What, running, what, what, he, what Tim's referring to is that while practice is going on, Nick Wisher yeah. Is running sprints and looking pretty good in the back of the end zone. Long sprints, across, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, he's he's in shape at this point, I would yeah. think. Um, and of course, Brock Wright's limited contact, and Cole Komet is everyone's uh, spring darling. But in this case, I think Cole Komet will have. If he doesn't have a great year this year as a true sophomore, Cole Komet is going to have one yeah. half of a career. And before everybody puts him in the major league baseball draft, he's now zero and three and picked up a couple <laughs> couple losses this weekend. As good as he's been. That baseball team continues to blow saves. They get they they gave up four in the bottom of the ninth to lose on Friday, and then they end up getting swept by Duke. And but that's for uh, another time, and probably just for the message board. To put it on. But uh, you're right to yourself. But yeah, no, I mean Cole Komet is. I mean, he's a pretty amazing athlete. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's 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 athletic like a wide receiver, but he has the size of a tight end. And, you know, he's 6'5", 255, and he's he's a force on the baseball field as well. I just think that it would be great if Cole Komet doesn't have to be Notre Dame's best tight end this year. Since five-star Alizé Mack is a senior coming back, totally, absolutely grown into his body. They have Nick Wisher to help out, and if Cole Komet could just be a very good player as a sophomore. It's hard to be a true sophomore and go out there and dominate in, in over a three-month season for Cole Komet. Yeah, what I, what I don't want to see is... Cole Komet not emerging as a star because Elise Mack is getting all the playing time and he's still ineffective. He won't. That won't happen to you. That, that, I, that I wouldn't think so. But that I mean that clearly I mean, they happened. Like, they will pull him. Right. If he's not but effective. last year that clearly happened. They kept force talking about force feeding, force feeding Mack onto the football field, and he just wasn't productive game after game after game. Just looking at Brian Kelly's reaction when I asked about Mack, it's pretty clear that Elise Mack has to prove himself to them at this point. He, he could not have been less no, impressed with what we saw. His, word, his wording definitely says that. There's no doubt about that. Um, wide receiver is relevant to discuss because we like Michael Young, we like Chris Fink, and we like Miles Boykin. We don't love him, right? There's no, there's not a, there's not an alpha dog in there. I think the Miles Boykin alpha dog thing is overblown. For me, uh, you too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is a little bit. I, too. I have good. to see it. it. Yeah. I, I ha- not that I don't believe what Brian Kelly says, but he sometimes stretches the truth one way or the the other. And we need to. We're reporters. We need to see it with our own eyes to believe it. And Boykin, I don't know that Thursday. Did if you saw anything that Thursday? I was not there for that during the coach's clinic, but on Saturday. I mean, he had he had an okay day, but he, he had a couple drops, and there were some 50-50 balls that LSA Mack came up with that Miles Boykin did not. And I just I think Miles Boykin will have a good year. I just I think people are if people are looking at all of a sudden you're back to the lead receiver at Notre Dame having 75 catches and nine touchdowns. That's not Miles Boykin. He's not. Well, yeah, he's not Equinemius St. Brown yet. I mean, Equinemius St. Brown stage, from 2016. Yeah. I do like though. I, I like their pieces. I. 
I'm just not sure they're going to have an alpha dog emerge, which could be a problem unless unless they unless Chris Fink, Michael Young, Miles Boykin, Alizé Mack, Cole Komet, and Nick Wisher are all solid players. Then it does work out okay. But you 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 need them to be consistent players throughout. Um, the guy that's making a little bit of a move, I just don't know if it's going to be only because it's spring and he's the fourth man in. Is is McKinley. is Javon McKinley, and I, I you know a lot of people love him coming out of high school. I don't know. You, you made a good point. Can he run away from guys? He did run away from Julian Love on a post route in eleven on eleven, which you don't see very often. Um, he's had a he's had a really good spring. And I think the most important thing for McKinley is he put himself in position now to compete in the summer in August to be a rotational. Right. And, I mean, he could he could win a starting job. It's not like Chris Fink and Michael Young have to start on this football team. That's if if you really can emerge and prove yourself, you can start. It, I think there's some ground to make up on those guys. I would agree. I, and I, Dal, the way Dal Alexander put it, um, he said, "I have a we have a, a one group and a two group, and Javon McKinley is working in both. So he's he's trending up, but he's not quite there yet. He was in the no group last year, and right. I don't mean just because of the injury. They buried him. He was not playing. Yeah. There's some type of quote unquote trades issue with McKinley from last year because at one point I want to dig this up. Brian Kelly was asked about Stepperson in September, and he said, yeah. "We have guys like Stepperson and McKinley that have to work on their traits." And it went past uh, everybody because we all knew McKinley wasn't going right. to play anyway. So there was some type of issue going on there. I, I don't think that exists anymore, though. I, I want to say you talk about Alpha Dog among the wide receivers. I think provided that he makes up his mind that he's going to take coaching and work hard and battle through everything, I think Chase Claypool is an Alpha Dog type guy. He has to take the coaching, though. But that's his the, that's tra- the story yeah, we're getting on his tra- I mean, his traits... You know, now yes. we're not talking about physical traits, the traits of Brian Kelly. That had, we had to differentiate on the board. Who was that about? About um, Osu Karamoa right. at, at Rover. Kelly said traits, and it's like, okay, which kind of traits is he talking about? We think he was talking about physical traits. We've heard point. nothing. Yeah, nothing negative about, about him. But, it, but Chase Claypool could be that kind of guy. I think he's that. His talent is. He is athletically, he is that talented. But he has to take coaching better, and he's got to take uh, negative play, handle negative plays better, maybe even handle positive plays better. I don't know exactly, but uh, he's a real key. Oh, his hands and his speed—that that people forget that he—if they were all lined up and ran forty yards on a football field going under a ball, he would get there first. That's the best. I don't know what the time he would be, but he would get there first on a football field going after the ball, and that's right. what matters because his hands. When when you watch the drills. It's a good way to see how they use their hands in these yeah. drills because the ball comes up fast and it's designed so they're turning the balls already on the way, which of course happens in a football game. But this seems like it's actually a little early. It just to, it's for them to catch the ball, right? His ability to flip his hands low or high or anything, he's he's tops on the team in that. So you know, I mean, when you yeah, he is. And so when you consider Claypool and Boykin certainly trending upward, and again, I love. I mean, he he becomes a star of the. The Citrus Bowl, and he trends upward after that. Everyone in, the in this off room season. likes Miles Boykin. Yeah. I just don't think he's a by far the dominant player on the no, team. Like but Brian he can Kelly's continue to get better. So my point is, Claypool, Boykin, Michael Young, we like and Fink. There's potential. Yeah, there. I, like I mean, it. there is and really, really the strong guy. potential there. And Javon, you but know, maybe Javon McKinley or one of the incoming freshmen, or maybe Alize Mack. Maybe Alize Mack. Is a, right, him. right. So trending in the right way. I do want to point this out. I'm, I, I brought Brian Kelly's transcript from the other day because we touched upon so many things and I didn't want to miss anything. And I want people to acknowledge that he said this. Uh, he was asked about the quarterbacks. 
which side of the quarterbacks uh, do they rank, positive or negative? And he said, oh, positive. And then he said this about Ian Book. Ian's been a little bit spotty at times in the morning with some of his reads, okay? So there is evidence by the head coach saying that the guy competing with, and I'm not picking sides no, I know what you're saying. I know I'm exactly just saying, saying that, you know, before we just hand, the, you know, Book should have the job, he isn't necessarily practicing as well as Wimbush has through the first half of spring. Which we heard about last year. When <laughs> specifically asked some people inside the Goog, this boy can have a real shot. Well, he's got to be better in practice. You can call someone a book, gamer yes. all you... But I'm sorry, book. What did yeah. I say, boy can... Book. Yeah. you got to be better in practice when you're the backup. <laughs> I agree he's a gamer. But you know what? Well, Gamers sometimes throw picks when they're rolling I, out in the red zone, too. I loved what Tom, I loved what Tom Reese said, uh, you know, about... He's got to be... I thought this was really interesting. When, when I asked him about what book needed to do, he said he's basically got to be perfect. Now, that's, that's a hell of a statement saying that. But you get what he's saying. In order to beat out the incumbent... In order to beat out the guy that you determined last year was the guy that gave you the best chance to win, he's got to be perfect. Accuracy, he also said this, accuracy cannot be an issue with him. Because it is with Wimbush, and so in order for Book to gain on him, accuracy can't be an issue. And, generally speaking, he's mechanically very good, and his yes, accuracy yes. is good. It's going to rage on, but I, I really believe unless Wimbush has a horrid August. I, no, I agree. He's the starter against Michigan. I, I agree, and that's why some people ask, I mean, does Book really have a fair chance here? Yeah, kind of. He has a fair chance to start games for Notre Dame next year, just not the first one in my opinion. Does that make sense? Brian Kelly's pulled the string in early September a couple of times. Yes. So that is clearly possible. Yeah. But that's bad for Notre Dame. It's never been in a good it is, situation. But you got to do what you got to do to yeah. win a game, and you don't have to wait till the bowl game to do that. No. No. Yeah. I mean, he did it. He he has a lot more faith in Wimbush than he did in Chris, but he pulled the trigger on Chris in a half. And he pulled the trigger on the Zaire but experiment again. He, did, he didn't like the psyche of Dane Chris no, from totally, the outside. I, I know. He, which, he, which he does like yes. in books. So, and, and let's say this also there was no reason to pull Wimbush early in the season last year. Oh, no, absolutely not. Not, not until, the only, yeah, not not until, until Miami. Right, not, not until Miami. Miami. And then Book yeah. came in and threw a interception touchdown. Which a situation <laughs> as well. But that's a, that's a tough situation <laughs> to put a quarterback in. But I just want to throw that out there. I'm not taking sides. I don't care one way or another. I'm just saying that, you know, let's understand that Book is not perfect in practice either. All right, we will uh, we'll come back and talk a bunch more football in segment two. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's burning up the boards. Our questions, starting with CMU Pens fan. How much will the Irish choice of running plays change this year if Dexter Williams is a lead back as opposed to what Nordium like to run with Josh Adams? You know, Brian Kelly and Andre Denson have harped on the fact that Dexter Williams is a tough, dedicated inside runner. That's his that's his calling card, is getting it up inside and hitting it, and then you see the speed. So I mean, it's not gonna, that, that's great for Notre Dame fans to hear because there's nothing worse than a fast guy where you have to run sweeps to him in modern college football because yeah. everyone's fast on defense. Or, or the dreaded slow-developing slow play. play. I don't... Yeah, if they're looking for the dreaded slow-developing play, I... I well, you're, you're, you're still going to have it because you're still going to have it, but there's going to be a little bit more, I think, where you're trying to hit it up inside. And now we have to... When you're an inside runner, you got to be able to run through injury too. So that, that will probably be his issue. Yeah, I, there's... we talked to Denson about that. Except he's Archer Denson was not really going to bring up last year. He was really trying to deflect the questions about Dexter Williams last year. But it is definitely been insinuated by 
every coach at Notre Dame on the offensive side that you have to learn to run through injury when they say that Dexter Williams is a speed guy and he hurt his ankle. High ankle sprain, you don't have to learn to run through it. The rest of the year, quads, everything else, you got to run through it. Yeah, and I, and I thought it was it was great what Brian Kelly said about Dexter Williams. He said some positive things in that he's now a three-down back. He's got to be able to handle play-action fakes and protections and releases. Um, I think the most important person for Dexter Williams is that Tony Jones is pretty good as well this year. Yeah. So he doesn't have to carry the ball 23 times. Right. Dexter Williams with 16 carries all year, awesome. That would be great to preserve him. 16 for Dexter, 11 for Tony Jones. Throw in a couple other carries, and then you can have Wimbush under 10. Or Book, excuse me. Yeah, that, that that would be great. And, you know, you keep those two healthy, and, and your other young running backs don't have – there's no great need for them to – to get extensive action so they can they can develop. I like uh, to get them in, though, in those games, especially September. Absolutely. Where well, the same way you do with McIntosh right. last year. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that, that you know a healthy Dexter Williams and a healthy Tony Jones are exactly what, you know, I mean, that's good enough. Those are, those are you're yeah, going to get yeah. quality production out of those two players. But if you're looking for those plays to go away forever, the slow developing, it's part, right. of, it's part of the process. Like, I realize it looked terrible in November, but on about four 60-yard runs by Josh Adams, it was a slow-developing play where they properly handed it off, and he hit a giant hole. That's football. You yes. allow the offensive line to make inroads, you know, and then you allow the running back behind them to pick and choose the, the route. We all like the pistol and things like that, too, but it's, yeah. that's not part, it's part of the modern running It's part game. of football. Everybody yes. runs those, quote, slow-developing yeah. plays. Irish Stan, at this point last year, you believe the defensive line and the safeties were the weaknesses of the defense. How about right now in the middle of the spring? Well, it's not the defensive line. Definitely not the defensive line. <laughs> um, because that that's certainly trending upward. I guess you would look at you would you would look at Rover because there's there's uncertainty there. Although you do have a veteran, you know, a, a senior football player in Asmar Bilal. Um, safety, we don't know, and um, you know, we'll be speculating about the safety position um, probably even more than the offensive line because you feel good about whatever combination they come yeah. up on the offensive line. But we don't know yet with safety. Yeah, right, it, right now it's only fair to say safety, I think, because Rover is really Rover and Nickel right now. They're, Asmar Bilal is not playing the way Drew Tranquil played last year. He's right. not. He's coming off the field. Right. So Asmar Bilal has to take care of his coverage responsibilities on first and ten. And he would appear to be physically yes. prepared to do that. He's not involved on third and five. That's that's the Nickel, probably Sean Crawford, or they will sub out if they if it's third and three and they and they think they need to get him out of there because that's a passing down in today's game. That's when somebody that has to come into play like Owusu Kormo or Shane Simon or probably Julian Love yeah. just moves into that spot. So they're going to be able to protect Bilal as long as he is a good player against the run. And he, in fairness, on first and ten, we keep joking, you can pass on first and ten. But that's really his role this year. He's not 800 snaps. It's, he's not your tranquil. Right. And, and that would be, you know, and then maybe as time goes on, his role... Once he gets his feet wet, gets a little bit of confidence, gets some playing time, feels good about what he's doing, then you might yeah. be able to expand what he does. But I like him physically against the run. Yeah, no, I do too. And... I, I do too. Uh, so getting back to safety, on Thursday when we did our instant analysis, we talked about Houston Griffith and Brian Kelly indicating that he had moved from cornerback to safety and it appears that he'll be there for the, the second half of spring after playing you know mainly cornerback the first half. And that, I think that tells you, well, it tells you a couple things. One, it tells you about... About Houston Griffith, who's a guy that, uh, you know, Kelly said he liked his physicality. Um, he likes what he can do physically for them, so they're looking for a way to get him on the field. 
And it probably also tells you something a little bit about Devin Studstill, who, you know, continues to have difficulty with tackling Jalen Elliott at times. We didn't see that. We only saw a drill on Thursday where that was accentuated. But um, if it happens in a drill, it's probably happening in, you know, seven on seven, 11 on 11. It was surprising that they moved him for me, though, in that there's a lot, there's just more reps. At corner, but Brian Kelly, because there's only five scholarship corners before him, but Brian Kelly made a good point. We kind of know what we kind of like what we have at corner. In other words, he wouldn't make inroads there into, right. the, into the top right. four. Um, maybe even five. Maybe even five. Yeah. yeah, maybe even five. Maybe they, maybe they like more of what they've seen from Dante Vaughn. We do right. have to ask Todd Light about Dante Vaughn because a lot of people ask questions about Vaughn. I tried to ask Kelly, but it ended up being kind of an a overview answer for right. the whole defensive backs. Right. But Griffith, yeah, it's probably because they're not sure what they have. Um, I think they obviously they like Gilman. If we're going to do our starting lineup right now, Gilman would be in it by the second quarter of the Michigan game for me, <laughs> yeah. whether he starts out there or not. But they seem to trust Gilman quite a bit. Then they just need to get something out of the Elliott Coleman, Jen Markeith, Jen Markeith, yes, um, and then maybe Griffith because I don't think they have a lot of faith in Stutt. Well. That's not fair to say after half a spring, but I, I think they lost faith in Stud still a little bit last year. On the field and off the field, he had a traits issue, as they like to say. He had, yeah, and, I, and it's not just half a spring. It's two seasons yeah. and, and everything that's come with that. Griffith will be a better player than a lot of these guys. That doesn't mean he's ready for Michigan. Um, that's what's interesting for Jenmark Heath for me is can he be can he be can he go in there against Michigan? I think he can if he has Gilman or Coleman next to him, right? Because they're the ones that call, they're going to be calling everything. Yeah. They're running the they're running the show back there. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I think Coleman has Coleman is not going to be removed from the lineup easily. No, he's not beating out Crawford at nickel. That's just for depth. That and that's coach. It team. could be that could be a situational thing too. For yeah. those that didn't hear our instant analysis, Brian Kelly talked about uh, last Thursday them using <laughs> Nick Coleman um, as as the nickel, which they had tried a couple years ago, and they liked it because he's. He's obviously bigger than, than Sean Crawford and a guy that can do some things a little bit more physically, but he's not going to beat out Crawford. No, but you just touched on something that we, we hit at the Rover question. If Bilal's your first and ten, and Crawford's your clear third and nine, there is a middle ground there. Nick Coleman could be your second and five. Nick, right. I mean, it could be that specific right. because if Sean Crawford starts at field corner opposite Julia Love, which I would be surprised if Nick Watkins beats out Sean Crawford, I'll be displeased. I would say. We have, let's, say that, <laughs> let's just say we have not seen anything this spring that would indicate Watkins is going to do that. So Crawford can't play every snap. We know that. Undersized guy that's had two injuries. and wore down. He wore down last year, which is totally fair. He would wear down after missing football for two years. He wasn't practicing. It right. wasn't like he was just preparing for that moment. Nick Coleman probably is a situational. You might have hit on, you can't have Sean Crawford be your full-time nickel if he's your full-time right. corner. And now Troy probably can spell um, Crawford at the field corner as well. Yeah, and I'm glad I, I saw these problems. I, 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 yeah, yeah, really good yeah. job, Jim. Uh, maybe I'm the only guy that's seeing what I'm seeing with Troy Pride, but I, I really like what I see. I don't uh, think you're alone, but it's. I mean, certainly. I forget he's number five every time I watch now. It's yeah, bothering me. Who do you think it is? I, I don't know. Colbert? I'm not sure. There's, no, I don't remember. Really. Yeah, I just don't know who. I look every time. I'm like, who's number five? And it's because he used to be 18. Did I already, we kind of spoke over this Irish Nomad question? Yeah, he's the Griffin switch. I guess it's more of a, there was a question about it, is the switch to safety, um, lack of confidence in in, in that group. Or or Houston Griffiths talent. And I think it, 
It's a I think it's both. I think it is a little both. Because they're not looking for Houston Griffith to, to start over these guys in day one. So I think it's a little bit of both, yeah. and I think they like their corners. I think he answered that one truthfully. I think they do like their corners. Houston Griffith, up to this point, has been everything that I think I saw and wrote about on film in, in high school. He's a he's a good technician. Uh, he improved his man coverage in his senior year, which made him a more legitimate cornerback prospect. He's just... He's a good athlete. He's a good player. Yeah, I'm glad Norton signed him. That happens with guys sometimes, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it was a good, good signing. Uh, Swag42, what kind of spring camp has Jay Hayes had so far? What is his ceiling? I think you saw the ceiling last year in September. He had a better September than he had yes. every the rest of the time. He and Drew Tranquil the, at, in September, including the Georgia game. Georgia was his best game, which is interesting. It might speak to... Uh, commitment and interest level a little bit at this stage that he would play that well against one of the best teams he played. He had a really good September, tailed off quite a bit. Khalid Kareem beat him out at some point last year, whether he started over him or not. They they relied on Khalid Kareem more. Hayes we haven't seen since Saturday's. We were at Thursday's practice. He wasn't there. Uh, I saw him at Saturday's practice. I thought he was, he's much wider than a guy like Khalid Kareem. So I I think they could use Jay Hayes as an anchor on this defense. He's, I think he'll be in a rotation and I want to see if he's at practice this week. Yeah, now, that's what I want to get to here because Brian Kelly was you asked by you after practice because Hayes was not at practice on Thursday. And we don't believe that he was at practice on Tuesday. Correct. correct? But we were not there Tuesday. We so were that, not is, there, that is purportedly. We're, yeah. we're told that he wasn't there Tuesday. Brian Kelly was asked about it. And and he had mentioned that there were several freshmen that were not there on Thursday. Because of exams. Because of exams. Yeah. Now, Jay Hayes is not a freshman. He's, a, he's, in fact, a graduating senior. He's a graduating senior. Yeah, so was, for him to have to tend to academics that was the answer Thursday was academics. Before, right. At 7.45 in the morning on a Thursday. On a Thursday before Easter. It doesn't really, just that in itself, on face value, that in itself doesn't add up. It doesn't at all. It's a strange, it's a strange thing. Now, you know, every once in a while you get bad information and maybe he wasn't part of Tuesday's practice. But we were told point blank he was not at Tuesday's right. practice. So... You know what? If Jay Hayes is at practice um, Saturday, we'll be the first. We won't see Thursdays. It's just, it's just, but we it's may just know, coaches. But we may know. We, may we know. will know whether he's at Thursday's practice. Right. Or not. He will see Saturday's practice. So what is his ceiling? His ceiling was probably last September. Um, yeah. And in great shape, I think he'd be their number one defensive end on that side. I, I don't true. want to anoint Khalid Kareem over him yet. If Jay yeah. Hayes reports to August in the shape he did last year. What do you mean to say the proverbial best shape of your life? Report to August as you did last year. I, as a true senior, I think he would have a pretty good year this year if he could maintain it. And he has a good backup in Khalid Kareem. So there's not that wearing down situation that, that can happen to bigger guys that have to carry the load. Last year, we thought he was really going to have to carry the load out there because Trombetti had to bounce back and forth yeah. from both sides. But hopefully Jay Hayes has a ceiling for this year. You know, and, and Kareem is, and Brian Kelly said the other day, I mean, Kareem, he's very high on Kareem. Yeah. He's very high on uh, Ogundeji. And um, and that's good because that's, you know, that's the next wave of defenders at, at defensive end along the course with Aquara. Are you ready for the message board complaint that is 100% accurate? What's that? Khalid Kareem totally wasted a freshman year of eligibility at defensive end. And he is a true junior with two years of eligibility. Yeah, that's, a, that's really Absolute crap, random snaps that didn't matter at all. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. It's so ridiculous that he was put in. It those is games. ridiculous, but it but it but it is hard. You know, you, and let me just jump over to men's basketball. And Mike, uh, Mike Bray, and I have this long time running joke about Rob Kurz because I always was like, 
Why'd you use Rob Kurz's yeah. freshman year? You could really well, use Well, because it in. came at the end of his season, too, Rob yeah, Kurz. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, so my point is this, that it's it can be a little tricky for a coach making that decision. You don't want to be left shorthanded. You want to take advantage of a guy's abilities and opportunities. But, man, sometimes you just can't pull the trigger and waste that year of eligibility. Especially when the guy that put him in the Duke game never coached again for Notre Dame. J-Law won. <laughs> By the way, that was what his, his debut that X'd it, him out. It was, and, 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 so, and we're not even talking about a special teams guy. No, no. Right? No, he had no so, chance of running down on special no. teams. Like Julian Aquara uh, yeah, was going to run that, that on special right. teams. That's my point is that yeah. that's what makes it worse is that you're not, you, don't, you don't even have a special teams usage for him. Right. When Houston Griffith plays this year on special teams, if something happens to him down the line and he doesn't have a fifth year, that's okay. He's supposed to be out there playing. Yeah. I get mad at these things. Drives me crazy. Kona Schwenke. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna name them all. There's no. You should. That's good. It's good. That's good podcast that radio. Like, that's, right there. That's I a just, slideshow, baby. Waiting to happen. <laughs> worst. Worst insertions of not yet ready freshman talent. Twenty four seven. J Law one. You were saying. J Law one. It seems like every QB in BK's tenure has hit some sort of wall. At which point they really seem to struggle. Mechanics, confidence. Parentheses. Wimbush. <laughs> or perhaps defensive coordinators figuring out how to take things away from Notre Dame. There seems to be a point at which they, for lack of a better word, max out. Any theories as to that? Yeah. What you see, what you see is reality. I, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I do. Th- I will say that Kaiser's last year. I mean, we talked and wrote about this all year. He lost his receiving core, and that that made it difficult for him. He also gained Wait. how many pounds? A lot. Uh, a lot. So that that was on. That's on Kaiser. Yeah. And nobody else. Um, you know, I'm I, Tommy Reese. He maxed. His maxed. Ability, I yeah. Think. I mean, it would be. I remember being frustrated analyzing Notre Dame and seeing Tommy Reese throw a couple of picks at Pittsburgh as a senior that are freshman year mistakes. But Tommy Reese probably maxed out his ability. I don't, I don't think you can. I mean, that would be accurate for this question. He maxed out. But I don't think it, that's Brian Kelly's fault with Tommy Reese, other than he didn't recruit quarterbacks that could stay eligible yeah. or beat him out. Yeah. Everybody that gets mad at Tommy Reese's career is blaming the only person you shouldn't blame. You should blame Dane Chris, Brian Kelly, Charlie Molnar, Everett Golson for not being able to stay eligible, and Andrew Hedrick for not being able yeah. to develop. Tommy Reese gave you everything that he... Yes. He's the one that's absolved from your yeah. scorn. There's plenty of guys to not like about that. And I do... Let me... Let me... Since we're talking about Tom Reese now, the coach, uh, I don't know how you felt about his interview the other day, but I'm really impressed with him as a coach. You know, I mean, he's not demonstrative on the practice field. We don't hear him, and I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but just interviewing him, I think he's becoming a good quarterback's coach. He understands the role. He understands the position that he's in. He understands what a young quarterback needs. The the people that don't like Tommy Reese as the quarterbacks coach one I get it because he was very young yeah, but yeah, look, I I, you know and I, and I get that part but number two, the hire was fine because he was young sure guys, I get yeah. that part but two I think a lot of it is they don't like they didn't like him as a quarterback right. so they don't like him as a quarterbacks coach and I think he's evolving into a, a into a hell of a coach and he was always he was a coach on the field even when he was a freshman he's his dad was a coach he understands the game he's had a greater understanding of the game at his point in life than just about anybody his age um I don't I think he's going to be a really good quarterbacks coach I think he's just what those guys need the right temperament it's interesting to, to see how his personality is has I don't know if blossoms the right 
thing. But what, when he was a quarterback, he was reluctant to say things. He was the son of a coach. He knew there were things he shouldn't say, and he was real reserved. Now we're seeing the real personality, and he's a great interview, and I think he's becoming a solid coach. And I thought he handled the, we kind of, I asked him the question I put on Monday Musings, I think, is does Wimbush just need to totally check out from fan involvement, social media, and develop a thicker skin? Because obviously Tommy Reese developed a thick skin. And Reese's answer was, boy, I could not stay. I, and Twitter wasn't even as big of a deal with it. He's like, I could not get away from the noise as a freshman and sophomore. Yeah. I knew everything you guys wrote. I knew everything everybody said. Yeah. And, of course, thankfully, he stopped. <laughs> because you can't you you can't do that. It doesn't even matter if you're super successful. You, you shouldn't be doing that in college football nowadays. You have to stay away from the praise and the criticism as a quarterback in Notre Dame. Yeah, and he also said he needed to, to make an off-the-field mistake before... Right. Yeah, Before, that's what's kind of stopped. Yeah. Yeah, then you really want to check out because no one's writing anything good about yeah. you. <laughs> so that's that. I mean, that's when he that's when he definitely shut the door on on what was being said and written about him. Other quarterbacks, the the Golson absolute downward spiral into quarterbacking hell. I don't understand what happened there. He was the Florida State game when he finished that game. He was sixteen and two as a starter at Notre Dame. His losses were at the last second on some really rough flag against Florida State and to Alabama. He, I mean, he couldn't have looked better against Florida State. He was, that, that's right. one of the answers of who, what quarterback played good in a big game that Notre Dame lost, Everett Golson, yeah, against Florida cool. State. And then it was just awful. And then he lost interest, and then he got worse in Tallahassee. I don't know what to tell you about that one. That he stunk at the end. <laughs> I mean, he, he legitimately did. he had a pretty good comeback um, effort in this. In that the that one, game. I that one, yeah. that one, I think you have. That's co- that's bad coaching. What, yeah. what I mean, whatever you I, did, I, whatever you did, it wasn't right. You didn't reach him properly. Yeah. Right? Uh, it was I mean, catered to. Certainly, every every athlete has to be accountable for what yes. what happens. But that much of a drop off when he had. Yeah, you can't lose eight a, fumbles and be in, in football games. You have to be taken out of the game as a senior by your coach when you're losing fumbles left and right and throwing the ball over the. Uh, the Arizona yeah, and, State debacle. Right, and your, co- <laughs> and your coach yeah. in the postgame is saying, we lost this game because of our quarterback. That was one of my fun exchanges with Coach Kelly yes. after the game. Because I, I, you know, I was offended by that. <laughs> your delicate sensibility. I, I, no, I, yeah, I mean, because in my response to him was... You mean you're offended by the play on the field? of, of like, I, goals no, remain I, in the no game. I was offended by him putting it all on, on Golson's Golden. shoulders. Because... Your sudden change defense was lousy. Your run defense was lousy. You know, he was trying to say, well, we lost this game because of the quarterback. I was trying to say, you lost the game because you were deficient in six different areas, including your quarterback. I get that. But (laughs) that was a fun little uh, exchange there. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's Golson's the one that, I mean, when a kid plays that good, at at certain point, and and he he struggled a little bit early on. Wimbush, I think, uh, since that's the relevant part of this question, I think the I think credit to the defensive coordinator starting to realize what they can live with and and, and challenge him to do. No, that's a good point too, and that that was part of the question. And I and yeah. I think that you know now that Chip Long is the offensive coordinator, maybe you have more diversity, and that's less likely to happen. What do you think? You mean he learned from it last year a little bit? Well, I'm just saying yeah. that I'm saying that maybe Chip Long can be less predictable overall than sure. Brian Kelly was and he, Mike Denbrock were. I know Chip Long regrets the Miami game plan. Not that that lost the game because there was, as you said, for anybody that wants to bring up why they lost the Miami <laughs> there were game, six different there were six reasons. different reasons why they lost the Miami game. There might have been twenty different reasons yeah. why they lost the Miami game. We could get two guys that showed up, but 
So I guess our theory is we don't have an answer to that question for you. Well, I think... Case-by-case There are multiple answers to the question. I don't know that it's... I mean, I I realize it looks like across the board they've all gotten worse. Uh, I think there are various reasons for for that. But certainly, look, bottom line, you've heard me say this a million times. When you're the head coach, if your team fails, it's on you, baby. It's on you. And And if you're the quarterback in Notre Dame nowadays, or actually for the last 50 years, you're going to get some scorn if your team loses too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we are going to, uh, that's going to wrap it up here for today. We will be back a week from today with uh, the the trio of us, Pete Sampson back on Monday, April 9th. Um, Until then, we'll have a couple opportunities to, uh, um, well, they'll have, they've resumed practice on Thursday, and we'll have a full practice to witness on Saturday. Um, So until then, enjoy the polka music we have on Dingus Day here in South Bend. (laughs)